We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is April 20th, 420. What up? Just kidding. <laughs> My name is Jonathan Osborne. As always, joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what's up? You couldn't resist. You I just couldn't resist. resist. Yeah. You, uh, I, don't even, I don't even partake. I never have. Never have. Well, never have. I, 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 asked for, I asked for this kid. This is before Jesus, obviously. <laughs> asked this kid at a high school party for a hit. Took one hit. I was like, man, I don't feel anything. And then I was like, this is dumb. And then I just <laughs> never did it again. Yeah, well, and here we are. There you go. Um, <laughs> you... Uh, you got a case of the old the, the old SpongeBob suds? What's going on over there? The SpongeBob suds? I don't know what those are. I you don't know what the suds sick. are? The SpongeBob nope. people know. Mm. The suds. I mean, you're I, sick. you know what? I'm, I'm like I'm a casual SpongeBob guy. Like mm. after the age of like seven or eight, I was like, you know what? I'm good with this. You know, I've seen all I need to see here. But then you, I know there are people that still like watch all SpongeBob. They exist. I love the memes, but I'm just I'm I'm not like I'm not a SpongeBob. You're more guy, anime guy. Oh, 100%. that's the yeah. Naruto like. versus SpongeBob, dude. He would tear SpongeBob <laughs> up. It wouldn't even be close. Are you kidding me? Come on now. I don't think SpongeBob cares. <laughs> yeah. So what are the SpongeBob suds when he's not feeling so hot? Yeah, he's like, I got the suds. I got the uh, suds. I Patrick. definitely got the suds. Then yeah, yeah. Yep. Me the and the four year old, she's got double eye, pink eye. Mm just not a good time there's been a lot of hand washing in our house a lot of holding my four-year-old down so she'll let us put in the eye drops that were you know prescribed by the pediatrician yeah today i just uh a lot of laying around and 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 chilling it's not having uh, a fun time right now yeah nothing worse than sick kids mm-hmm. luckily it's just her like the baby's good mm-hmm. our two-year-old is good we'll see how long that lasts but nothing is worse than multiple sick kids. Like that is yeah. really bad. And my poor wife, I haven't been sick in months. I mean, I guess it doesn't really make sense to knock on wood now because I'm already sick. But she just always happens to dodge whatever is going through the house. Like I had COVID three times 
<laughs> she dodged it all three times. Like, I, I, it doesn't make any sense. They need to study her in a lab or something. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be on the the old rebound pretty pretty soon here. Hopefully, we'll see. Anyway, folks, coming up on May sixteenth, we are just under four weeks away. I think it's like twenty seven days from now is the NBA draft lottery. We're having a NBA draft lottery watch party on May sixteenth at seven o'clock. Still working on those details for the venue. We're hoping to have an update for you guys very, very soon. But make sure you clear your schedule for the night of May 16th. It is a Tuesday at 7 o'clock somewhere downtown Orlando. It's going to be a lot of fun, Luke. Yeah, I know that people are probably, you know, getting a little weary of the fact that we, we haven't announced anything yet as far as where it'll be. But just understand and be patient. There, are, It is not just us. We are We are figuring it out. And once we have all of the details, we'll present it that way. But uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully you guys continue to listen, and then uh, hopefully we can give you an announcement here in the next. Hopefully, I would love in the next week, in the next couple episodes. I'm very confident, Luke, in saying it's probably going to be one of two places. I'm like at this point, if you know one doesn't work out, it's probably going to have to be you know the other place that we've discussed. So we should literally have a. a, a uh, you know, something to announce any day now. So if you guys are, are looking forward to that, just, you know, keep your eyes, ears open on the old, you know, Twitter, Instagram, listen to the pod, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. A little bit of magic news. Uh, the magic announced on Tuesday, that they have named Arnie Kander as vice president of player performance and wellness. Arnie Kander brings more than 24 seasons of NBA experience uh, this is straight from the Magic uh, press release responsible for overseeing the Magic's high-performance staff, including the management of athletic training services, injury reduction, please, <laughs> and rehabilitation programming, strength and conditioning, sports science, recovery, and player nutrition. Kander uh, has spent 23 seasons with the Detroit Pistons, originally joining the team during the spring of 1992 when he became the team's first strength and conditioning coach. His duties in Detroit included the prevention, treatment, and rehabilitation of injuries, as well as the design and implementation of specific programs that are aimed at enhancing individual players' flexibility, strength, and aerobic training. We don't really know what most of this means, Luke. Not a clue. Uh, We've heard some whispers that there could be a change in the Magic's training staff in between this season and heading into next season. I don't know really what the hierarchy is going to look like for like the strength and, and, you know, training and all that kind of stuff. If Arnie is going to kind of clean the house and bring in his own staff, or he's going to keep some of the folks that are on staff currently. The one thing that jumped out to me is that Arnie was with Detroit for 23 seasons uh, with the Detroit Pistons. I don't know what he was doing uh, most recently. Um, Let's see. Following his stint with Minnesota. He consulted with the Pistons and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, there you go. So he's been working as a consultant the last few years, and now he's here in Orlando. The fact that two straight years we've had some kind of turnover with the training staff tells me that the organization has not been happy the way that we just haven't been able to stay healthy. And it's encouraging that they're like, no, like we need to make changes. Like we need to improve. Like all this stuff has to get better. So hoping this is going to be the beginning of a very healthy stretch for the magic. And I feel slightly vindicated, Jonathan, because 
a month ago, maybe. I don't remember how long ago it was. One of our episodes here uh, as of late, I pretty much just finally said it. And that what I said was, when are we going to hold training staff accountable for these injuries? Um, Jonathan Isaac stuff, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I hate to point a finger. And that's essentially what it came down to was that I, I think this offseason they should take a look, a good hard look at the training staff. So to see that that is the route, that there is at least some type of change, I mean, at the very top when it comes to being the VP, that's not nothing. Clearly, there is. they realized that that was an issue. And I said something to the effect of, I hope that they do their research and due diligence like I know they will and pinpoint what the issue has been. Maybe it is in the training staff, but clearly... They've decided that they needed to input here uh, somebody new in command, essentially, and get that under control because they deemed that was somewhere that needed help. One thing we can all agree on is the Magic need more health. It wasn't like super, like it wasn't at the front of my mind as we were doing the front court grades, but going through and doing these back court grades, I'm like, wow, all of our guards missed so much time this season. Mm hmm. So if we cannot agree on anything else, we can all agree that the Magic need health moving forward. So excited about the new hire, and hopefully it makes a positive impact on our health moving forward. Luke, did you um, want to talk a little bit about the like mm. the updates with the midseason tourney and, and kind of what some of that stuff looks like? Yeah, so it seems like like reports are kind of getting more shirt up now as we get, you know, now that we're in the postseason and almost to the season where this end-season tournament will take place. Um essentially the report is coming pretty much from Woj and Bobby Marks. The NBA's end season tournament uh, beginning in 2023, 2024 will take place in early December and it'll feature three rounds and prize money. And then we come to find out that the report is that Adam Silver is very much leaning toward these games being in special jerseys, different jerseys is basically all we were given um, as well as different arenas. So basically like a neutral court is what I took it as. So there's a lot of people trying to crap on the idea. Um, and I don't know that I ag agree. Like I want to see it play out. I want to see how it works. We also know that, you know, they're being given what each player of the winning team gets half a million. Um, so there's a lot that that's going into incentive wise for the players. I don't know how I feel um, because it doesn't, I mean, maybe we'll see by the intensity of these players, how much they would enjoy the half a million. You're going to have these guys. I wonder if two-way players are going to be eligible for this, if they're on the roster or whatever, and technically they are, are they going to get the half a million? Because that's crazy for them. Um, and just some of these guys that are on, you know, we've got a ton of rookies, not rookies, but guys on rookie contracts, Jonathan. Could the magic, play their butts off in this tournament to try to get that half a million. And, uh, and I think that that could be entertaining, but I, I would have liked to see, have seen like some create more creativity when it comes to what the team as a whole will gain any type of advantage throughout the season. I don't know what it would be, but I, I do wonder if, if that would be something that gets added eventually. I think that's really what will be needed to make these games super exciting will be you know, some kind of postseason implications with the yeah. winner of like, if you win the mid, I'm not saying like an automatic bid or something like that, but maybe an automatic bid into like a play in type of scenario. Like even if you're like 11 
before 10 plays 9, 11 plays 10 or, or something. I don't I don't know the answer, but I think that's ultimately where I would like to see it. I'm not super pumped about like the neutral site things, but I guess if you're having a midseason tournament, like travel is probably going to be a, a, a pretty big concern. And if you're at a neutral site and you can get, you know, four teams there or eight teams there and limit yeah. the amount of travel they have to do, it's probably best for everyone. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it could allow you to go to some other cities. You know, maybe it's like Seattle or Kansas City or you know wherever. Some of these markets that don't have NBA teams currently and, you know, do a little uh, do a little test. We know that the, the league has been talking about expansion for the last couple of years and then just kind of have it rotate. Like maybe, you know, one year the final is or the semifinal for the midseason tournament is in Orlando. Right. And, you know, you, you get to see the the Warriors play the Grizzlies or, or whatever. Yeah, it could be kind of cool. I'm more so just kind of waiting to see how like once everything is finalized and like, let's get through a year of it and be like, okay, what did, right. What do we kind of think about? It? I don't want to make any judgments mm-hmm. on it now. Cause I hated the plan at first. Yeah. And I still do kind of hate the plan in a certain sense, but their games are super fun. Yeah. Games are fun. Teams like the magic stay competitive. We don't have to watch them tank for half the year, which is nice. I just know that it's going to come down to it. Jonathan, this, with this play with this in uh, season tournament, that at some point, maybe not the opening rounds, I'm hoping they do kind of a regional thing with that. But I don't know. They might be trying to kind of uh, abolish conferences in that way and put, you know, maybe they do put the magic in a on a West Coast neutral site, which would stink for time's sake because they're going to want fans and things like that. So I don't know. There's going to have to be a mix of, you know, good teams and bad teams if they do like groups i don't know like because there's only three rounds so there's not really a whole lot that you can get super creative with um without having them travel a lot so i don't know what that'll look like that'll be interesting i just hope that we don't have to battle time zones uh too much when it comes to that the magic you know playing the championship game of that in-season tournament in la you know like that just wouldn't be ideal for us but uh not only that, but how fun would it be if, like, the mid-season tournament, like, final, like, one team gets home court advantage, like, in Orlando, like, the mid-season tournament final, how exciting and, like, how much fun would that be? Like, mm-hmm. going to something like that in your home arena, to me, yeah. that is way better than, like, the neutral site idea. But, unfortunately, the reality is it's a business. They're trying to make as much money as possible, and it kind of, like, sucks, like it takes a little bit of like the spirit of the game away. I feel like when every collective bargaining agreement, every single year, the conversation is how can we exploit these players to make more money? How can Mm -hmm. the league make more money? How can the league make more money? The league is in a good place in terms of talent. Like the, the talent around the league is, has never been better. I feel like the league is in a a really good place. I don't know that all of this kind of stuff is necessary, but Hopefully it's good for the league and, and hopefully it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, we we will see. Maybe, and I'm brainstorming at this point, the first year it's neutral for everybody involved that they somehow work it out where you know it's neutral for everybody and the winner gets to play all their games at home the, for the next in-season tournament or something like that. More incentive and like for the Magic, that would be awesome to be able to you know next year know that we're going to get all these games for the end season, high intensity, probably a postseason atmosphere. If these players actually buy in and really want that half a million, 
but uh, we'll see. There's a lot that they can do with it. The half a million, though, like for your, you know, Admiral Schofield, Kevon Harris, you know, Caleb yeah. Houston's, that's going to be a big deal. But like Steph, for example, in a few years, that's going to be 1% of his contract mm-hmm. per year. Like that's going to be absolutely nothing to some of those guys. So are we going to see even more of these guys getting rested during something like that? I think there's a big potential for that. I just, I don't know. I, I feel like the the potential negatives don't, like the potential negatives outweigh the benefits for a, a midseason tournament. And especially the way that it's it's currently being talked about. Again, the neutral site thing, unless they introduce some kind of postseason implication or postseason benefit for these teams. I I don't know. I don't, I don't really... It's not a, a big deal to me, but I'll, I'll wait until we see it in live action before I really, uh, you know, put a, a tombstone on it. Luke, let's talk about some of these player grades. So the last episode we went through, we did all of the front court, all of the bigs, all all of you know Wendell, Paolo, Franz, and those guys. This week we're going to take a look at the back court. We're going to take a look at the guard. So we're talking about Markel, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Gary Harris, Caleb Houston, and Kevon Harris. Didn't want to really cover. Terrence Ross, who's playing for another team currently. And then Jay Scrub, Wendell, uh, not Wendell, Michael Carter-Williams, MCW, not WCJ. Michael Carter-Williams, you know, those guys played in like a combined, you know, six or seven games. So I didn't feel like it was really, uh, you know, consequential to, to sit here and, and talk about those guys. But we'll kind of do the same thing. We'll break it up into to three separate tiers here. First up, Kevon Harris. Uh, what was your expectation for Kevon, and then what kind of a uh, player grade did you give Kevon? I didn't. I didn't have too much expectation for Kevon. I hoped that we wouldn't see Kevon too much. Um, but then, obviously, Markel out at the beginning of the year, the injuries the Magic had, we obviously ended up seeing him for thirty-four games. Um. I I don't know. I, I, I think his defense obviously shines through. You and I had the conversation between Kevon and Admiral. Who do we think has the better shot of you know being an NBA player contributing long term? We both agree it was Kevon. Now, for me, I didn't have much of an expectation for him, but defensively he really surprised me. And that is the full reason, really, I'm giving him a B. Uh offensively, uh, he shot 43.9% on three attempts a game. Not a large volume. Um, you would hope for a guy like that that's not shooting very much could shoot closer to 50. And, um, you know, not to mention his turnovers. He had average just slightly more turnovers than assists. There was times where he was frustrating to watch. Um, he is not an NBA talent as of yet. Um, if he gets to that point, that would be great. But I, I'll give him a, a B. Um, just because I don't think he deserves a C because what I expected was less, I would say, but it is solely really to do with his defense. So C is like expect like met expectations. B is exceeded expectations. A would be like greatly exceeded expectations. Kevon, I gave him a B as well. So 34 games he played this year. The magic were 12 and 22 in those games. Average four points, 2.1 rebounds, shooting splits, 43, 37, 75, his on-off numbers, the Magic were 4.8 points better per 100 possessions with Kevon on the floor, which was actually second highest on the entire team behind Franz Wagner. So he made an impact when he was on the floor. 34 games, I'm pretty sure like 25 of those came before February. So barely played down the stretch. 
and I think the reason that maybe I, I, I definitely can't get there to an A with him, even though he like really exceeded my expectations, because quite frankly, I didn't have expectations for him going into the season, mm-hmm. uh, just because he was so bad offensively to start the year and was so frustrating to watch. Again, because we didn't have Markel, we didn't have Gary Harris. He was thrown into a role where he was probably a little bit in over his head. That being said, I mean, 43, 37% from three when I saw that. Obviously, not a ton of volume from him. But I was like, okay, like we have, there's something there. I don't know if he's ever going to be like a legitimate rotation NBA player, but I'm certainly not ready to, to write him off. So I gave him a B as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Moving into the next tier, uh, Gary Harris, Caleb Houston. Who would you like to start with, Luke? Um... We could start with Gary. Oh, Gary Harris. Um, I gave Gary Harris an A. I gave Gary Harris an A. Um, obviously, unapologetically a Gary Harris fan. Um, but for me, what he brought to this team, what I was hoping he could bring to this team this season specifically, was just someone that's able to shoot the basketball from beyond the perimeter because you look at this roster everybody can figure it out like perimeter shooting we've talked about it and talked about it It was what the team would need shoots 43 percent from three on four and a half attempts now the one knock on gary harris is that people might think he should have been able to shoot more threes uh to which i would argue he was the fifth option on offense all the time he was always in the starting lineup um, and I, I think that he was able to obviously contribute in the way that I thought that he could, but he did it even better. I was hoping that he would shoot like 38% on three and a half to four attempts a game, but instead doing what he did defensively, I think he's great um, defensively as well. If it's not for Jalen Suggs, he is the best guard defender on this team. I would say um, I've said it before quickest hands on the team besides maybe Jalen. I, 
I really do enjoy Gary Harris. A lot of people give him crap, but uh, he's getting an A for me. So I gave Gary a B, although I'm not I'm not irate at the A. So 48 games for Gary. Magic were 22 and 26 in those games. Average 24 minutes, eight points, two rebounds, 1.2 assists. Shooting splits of 45, 43, 90. On off, he was a minus 1.3 per 100 possessions. Uh, the Magic were where Gary was on the floor, which is good for 46th percentile. Uh, highest points uh, per shot attempt on the team. He was 88th percentile in the entire league in that regard. Uh, 60% effective field goal percentage. 90th percentile, uh, three-point uh, field goal percentage. He was in the 95th percentile. A uh, steal percentage was in the, in the 77th percentile. Just kind of the knock on Gary for me this year was just like really, I guess, just kind of like disappeared at times where you would go for like minutes at a time. Like, oh, like that's right. Gary is on the floor. And to your point, a lot of that is because he was like the fifth option. Most of the time, you know, he's in the, the starting lineup with some of these guys. Um but when you look at, I know we'll talk about Jalen in a in a second. It is a much smaller sample size. Like we're talking about, like eleven hundred possessions to like a little bit over a hundred possessions, I believe. But the starting lineup was so much better with Jalen Suggs, probably like unsustainably so. But I just wonder, like we we talked about how Jalen, especially heading into the last quarter of the season, like after the All Star break, like would we want to see Jalen in the starting lineup at some point? And it just didn't seem like Mosley was going to make a big change. Like something drastic would have had to happen for Jalen to be inserted into the starting lineup. But I feel like towards the end of the season, we were like kind of overdue for that. Like put Jalen into the starting lineup and see how much better this lineup can play. Uh, but Gary definitely exceeded my expectations. 43% from the floor was just like absolutely scorching the net the entire season. Uh, but yeah, I, I couldn't quite get to an A, but I'm, I'm not like irate about the A. I mean, uh, it's, a about, lot of it is I'm just partial. So we'll get that that's straight. Fair. And I know that people will say that and take note of that. And that is completely fine. Um, but yeah, but listen, we have bias for this team. I have bias for certain players. There's a reason Gary Harris gets fair. an A. There's a, you know, and it's a miracle that Wendell Carter didn't get an A the other night. And I gave him a B plus. Uh, that's just because I already knew how great he was. So, um, so right. yeah, it, yeah, that, an A, an A for old Gary. Yeah, Gary did much of what I expected him to do this season, but the three-point shooting was like just went up a, a, another level, like really close to 40% for a, a good chunk last year. Mm -hmm. And shooting 43% for an entire season is not easy. So he did exceed my expectations, but didn't like kind of blow me out of the water. Um, next up, Caleb Houston, the rookie. This this might be my bias because I I love Caleb, but I gave Caleb a B, uh, fifty one games average, and I I was surprised that he played that many games. I was kind of surprised that he appeared in fifty one games for the Magic, sixteen minutes per game, three point eight points, one point nine rebounds. The efficiency is not great. Splits of thirty six, thirty three, and eighty three on off numbers. Um, the Magic were 3.8 points worse per 100 possessions with Caleb on the floor. I think a lot of that can be attributed to just playing in garbage time, playing with the second unit primarily. Uh, but that was 32nd percentile in the league. 73% of all of his field goal attempts were threes, which did not surprise me at all. That's good for the 90th percentile in terms of percentage of all field goal attempts being threes. But in the G League, where he played 12 games, he averaged 29 minutes, 16 points, Five rebounds, 1.6 assists, shooting splits of 40, 36, 91. I don't know that it's appropriate to 
bring his G League stats into this, but it just kind of solidifies for me with a little bit more reps, maybe potentially a bigger role, uh, you know, a role that maybe he's a little bit more, you know, has more confidence next year. He is a capable shooter. Like we've, we've said it from Summer League, this kid's stroke, Ayo, is Ayo. so nice, Ayo. I cannot see a world where this kid does not become a good shooter, especially 83% from the free throw line, small sample size, you know, really limited to getting to the free throw line this year. That just isn't his role and what he's asked to do. But like defensively on ball struggled sometimes, but like off ball also rookie mistakes. Every rookie is going to go through that. We saw that with Paolo Bancaro as well, but for the most part, like played within himself, played within his role was in the right spots. And what do you expect out of a second round pick? I think it was like the 42nd pick. He exceeded expectations for me. Caleb Houston gets a B for me. Okay. Um, I'm giving Caleb a C. Uh, I'm, I'm just the, I don't think I, I, I know he is better than what his stats say, but at the end of the day, his production is his production. Um, like you said, 33.8% from three, um, thirty six percent from the field because a large chunk of his attempts were from three. Um, two point seven threes a game, three point six total field goals a game. Um, I would have liked to have seen a little more from him in some aspects. Um, but at the same time, like you said, second round pick. What are you going to to expect from him? But that's why I just kept him at a C. He wasn't close to a D at all. Uh, if anything, he was closer to a B for me than a C or than a D. And I think that's totally fair. Like you, you mentioned, the efficiencies weren't great, but for me, like a forty-second pick, I believe he was in the in the second round, like a guy that I could, I can see like having a path to becoming a really good rotation player. And you know, outside of the shooting, basically everywhere else was was pretty solid, especially for a rookie. So. But yeah, not mad at the C whatsoever. So our next tier, uh, we're going to get into Markel, Cole, and Jalen. I really want to start with Cole here just because like, I was super impressed by the season that he had, especially like the second half of the season. But when you get into the numbers and just really how he improved across the board, I was blown away. So I gave Cole an A. Uh, in 60 games, the Magic were 28 and 32 in those games. Averaged 26 minutes per game. 13 points, 4.8 rebounds, 3.9 assists, shooting splits of 45, 36, 89. 45 is where we've been begging Cole Anthony to get for two years, and he did that for an entire season. On off, the Magic were uh, 2.5 points per 100 possessions better with Cole on the floor. That's good for the 66th percentile. With the lowest usage percentage of his career so far, um, he averages best points per shot attempt, best turnover percentage, best effective field goal percentage, best true shooting percentage, best rim field goal percentage, best mid-range field goal percentage, best three-point shooting percentage, best block percentage, and best uh, rebound percentage. Just all across the board, less minutes, getting the ball less, improved everywhere, especially the second half of the season. Cole, it's it's an easy A for me. Yeah. Um. For me, Cole Anthony got an A. He got an A from me as well for, I mean, a lot of the same reasons I don't really need to reiterate. But for me, the uh, Cole Anthony experience this year was uh, best separated in two halves. 
and you talk about his improvement and the way that he did that, he plays 60 games this year. His first 30 games of his uh, of this season, Jonathan, he averages 11 points, four and a half rebounds, four assists. But where I want to really pay attention to is uh, his shooting splits here in regard to field goal and three point. His first 30 games, Jonathan, he shoots 38% from the field and 29.6% uh, from three. And then in his last 30 games of the season, he shoots 47.8% from the field and 42% from three and on three and a half attempts a game. So he actually shot more threes that second half of the, the year, his second, you know, latter half of 30 games. And he was more efficient across the board. Um, as I mentioned, like his counting stats, the first 30 at uh, basically 11, four and a half and four, his second half of the year, 14, five and three and a half. So just night and day difference when it came to Cole Anthony. And I think just the fact that at any point in a large amount of games that he was shooting, you know, 29% from three and he finishes the season where he did at 36 and a half percent is absurd and does show that the growth that he took in such a crazy short amount of time. I feel like every time we have this conversation, I get closer and closer. Where are you? on signing Cole Anthony to an extension this offseason. Yeah, I remember the last time we spoke about this, I pretty much said that I didn't know and that I more so was probably leaning towards like let him play it out. I don't know. If you want if I I listen, I still am skeptical about him being the six-man role long term and not getting irritated about it because his personality just screams that he wants to be a starter and I appreciate it, but I just need to see long-term that he's able to commit to being the six man role. Clearly he bought in because there was improvement this year, but is he going to buy in for years to come? If that's, you know, if there isn't solid improvement to where he can, you know, you can make an argument for him being a starter on this team. I just think the more talented this team gets, it's going to get even harder to become a starter but if he's taking leaps as quickly as he did the second half of this year, maybe he can be. And that's going to be the conversation we do have eventually. If Cole continues on this trajectory, we're going to, are we going to be yelling for Mosley to put him in the starting lineup? But that's going to mean that he's better than Jalen by far. And that's going to mean that he's better than maybe Markel or he just plays alongside him. But I mean, the shooting that he provides is, you can't argue it. The shooting that he provides is exactly what you want next to a guy like Markel Fultz. But Jalen Suggs made a huge improvement as well. So I just don't know. I fear it's going to come down to Cole Anthony against Jalen Suggs. And I think that it's going to be a not just choosing who starts and who is on the bench, but which player are you going to cut ties with? Because you can't pay everybody. So that's going to be a conversation that happens down the road. And that's going to be a very hard conversation. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens uh, with, with those two. Yeah, like I said, I feel like every time we have this conversation, I get a little bit closer to just being like, hey, like re-sign him. Yeah. Especially like given how rough like the first 30 games were and you, you kind of pointed out the efficiencies a moment ago. The fact that he still ended up like career high best numbers and like effective field goal percentage, true shooting, finishing at the rim, mid-range shooting, three-point shooting. It just goes to show how good he was like the last 30 games. And 
in my opinion, the way he was talking during the exit interviews, it feels like winning cures a lot of things. Like winning solves a lot of problems. If this team is winning, I think he'll be happy. Maybe not ecstatic coming off the bench, but I think he'll be happy in his role. And he he spoke it with a level of confidence about what that role was able to do for him. I do think he views it in a much more positive light than maybe he did at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, th- this team is absolutely go- absolutely going to have to make some some guard decisions in the next two three years. And I don't envy the front office whatsoever. Luke, where do you want to go next? You want to go Markel or you want to go Jalen? Oh, uh, let's go Markel. Let's let's go Markel. Um, and for me, when it when it comes to to Markel Fultz and what he ex- you expected from him, he makes a, a huge jump in just being willing to shoot the three ball this year. Um, and obviously, this is a big thing that I'm pointing out with a lot of these guys is their three point shooting because it is so pivotal. Um, but he takes a step up and uh, and he plays the most minutes per game of his whole career. He also plays the second most games in his career. Um, so a lot of good came from Markel Fultz this year. There are so many numbers that I'm sure you're going to share that back up Markel Fultz as a whole and, and what you you know can get from him. We knew, you and I talked about it all last season. This team needs a calming presence. This in the first 25 games, we talked a lot about that. You talked a lot about that. You need a guy like Markel Fultz to come in and and right the ship and calm everybody down. Well, he did just that when he came in this year, right? We've seen it time and time again how much better he makes this team. For me, it is hard not to give Markel Fultz an A, but I, I think I'm going to give him a B um, in this situation. I'm I'm going to give him a B. I'm going to ride with the B because C is meeting expectation. My expectation for Markel was still high. Um, so, I mean, the fact he averages what 14, almost six and four this year. And I mean, marks gets those benchmarks that I just talked about. I, I, I'm going to give him a B. So I went an A with Markel cause to me, he, yeah. he really exceeded my expectations. So 60 games for Markel. Uh, the Magic were 29 and 31, right around 500 in those games. Averaged 29 minutes, 14 points, 3.9 rebounds, 5.7 assists, 1.5 steals. Shooting splits of 51, 31, 78. This is where Markel Fultz is a, a, a bit of a puzzle. And it just goes to show you that like advanced analytics aren't the end-all be-all. And they don't always paint like the entire picture. Because Markel, uh, with Markel on the floor, the Magic were 1.1 points worse per 100 possessions, which was good for 47th percentile in the league. And you watch the Magic for 10 minutes, and it's so much like it's apparent how much better the Magic are with him on the floor. Um, his 29 uh, percent assist percentage, so a total baskets made with you on the floor. How many do you assist? So Markel almost one out of every three, which is good for 96th percentile. Uh, 37% of his baskets were assisted. So what is that? 63% of his baskets were unassisted. That's good for 91st percentile in the league. Uh, he's 76 percentile in block percentage. Uh, you know, total field goal attempts with you on the floor. How many do you get to and block? Uh, 76 percentile in blocks and then 85th percentile in steal percentage. 
Markel Fultz, just both sides of the basketball, just showed like he is that guy, the guy that was drafted number one overall out of Washington. Both sides of the floor, the shooting is coming along. We saw that more towards the end of the year, like the pull-up. But 31% from the three-point line, his best of his career on 1.5 attempts. So in uh, 2019, uh, 2020, it was 1.9 attempts. 2020, 2021, it was only eight games, but it was two attempts. So a little bit lower than that, but I think at, because of like the difference in his role with Franz and Paolo being on the floor and, and as he gets more comfortable taking those shots, we're going to see that increase. He, he's come a long way. Like first season, uh, 0% uh, wasn't really shooting the ball, 14 games with the, the 76ers. The second year in 19 games, 28%, 26 the next year, then 25, then 23 almost an 8% increase this year up to 31. So we'll have this conversation about Jalen, but like you can increase your three point percentage by eight points in one year. Why can't you increase it another three or 4% and get to league average with Markel? You and I have also had the conversation or really I've kind of asked the question that why did I feel that, you know, so many times Markel just kind of like disappeared offensively, like too many nights where you would have like eight points or nine points or 10 points. And, you know, 14 points a game you know, really scored the, the ball pretty well. Um, you know, the later part of the season, you know, having games where he you know, score 25 points, 28 points, 25 points, 25 points, 21 points, like showed that he is capable of, of shouldering more of a load offensively. And to me, that was the question that I had going into this season is how much more is the three point shooting going to improve? And sure, he was fantastic at distributing the ball last season. But you know, pretty limited sample size. Last year played in 18 games. I wanted to see if he could keep that up. And 96 percentile in terms of teams assist percentage showed me that, like, no, like he really is like that. So for me, Markel got an A. Um, yeah, I, I want to add, and I'm not mad at the A at all. I, I think that I was very, very close to it. But I think the next thing that I want to see from Markel Fultz, and I was hoping we would get it this year, obviously he takes a bit of a scoring bump, so it takes away from you know, maybe being able to distribute as much. I want to see him have over six assists in a year. Like I want his average to be over six because the last person to do that was Alfred Payton, I believe, for this team. And the crazy thing about Alfred Payton, I was just looking at this, he averaged almost 13 again like in his best season he played all 82 he started 58 games he played 29 minutes a game similar to markel in terms of the minutes um that markel played this year had almost 13 points a game six and a half assists four and a half rebounds basically um which is crazy but it also goes to show like i'm like how did alfred payton have over six assists because i feel like markel fultz should have so many more average so many more and I'm just realizing how difficult it is to get over that six assists mark, uh, especially with this team. Like we just haven't had a guy that's been able to do that. And I think, you know, Cole Anthony got close last year. Cole Anthony had 5.7 assists per game last year when he was taking over a lot of those point guard roles. Worst team, obviously, but it's just very interesting to me how, how difficult it is to get that number up because Markel's essentially been averaging five assists since he joined the Magic every year um now granted he's only played really two sizable seasons but so so yeah i, I want to see 
even more distributing. I think next year he could take more of a backseat depending on the picks backseat in terms of scoring to where like we just want him to improve from his three point from the three point uh, stance, um, you know, from that perspective, as well as just distribute the ball more, like really channel the inner point God action with Markel. I think that that's what we want to see next year, even more so than this year. I think a lot of that is also just like given like the high usage rates of Paolo and, and Franz. Mm-hmm. I think Markel out of those three guys is second. Like he's at like 23.6% and Franz is at 23.3. So those guys, it's really like a, you know, a three headed Hydra kind of, you know, my turn, your turn, his turn, you know, kind of thing. I think if Markel like was, you know, like it put in like a Chris Paul role where he's maybe not with the Suns, but earlier in his career where he's just really setting the table for everyone which I think he's capable of, but I think it's a a strength of the magic that we don't have one guy who has to do that. I think one day we're going to look back on that five and 20 stretch without Markel, without Mm -hmm. Cole Anthony. And we're going to be thankful for that because we, we got to put Paolo and Franz as young players into so many of those reps to start the season and I think that's going to be super beneficial for them and, and for the Magic long term. We always talk about this. Come playoff time, the best teams in terms of like offensive basketball and offensive efficiency always have multiple ball handlers, like multiple guys that can go and make plays for themselves, especially as you get into those later rounds and, and, and things really slow down a lot. But I totally think Markel is capable of getting there. All yeah, right, let's talk about Jalen last, but, but certainly not least. This might be my bias. I gave Jalen an A. Uh, greatly exceeded my expectations. Uh, 53 games. The Magic were 20 and 33 in those games. He averaged 23 minutes, 10 points, 3 rebounds, 2.9 assists, uh, 1.3 steals, shooting splits of 42, 32, 72. On off numbers, the Magic were 1.1 points better per 100 possessions with Jalen on the floor, which is good for 59th percentile. He was a 93rd percentile for his position in block percentage. 93rd percentile for steal percentage, but was 27th in foul percentage for as good of a defender as he is. He's still fouling too often. Um, Looking at his efficiency improvements, effective field goal percentage went from 39% to 49%. Uh, Mid-range went from 27% to 39%. Three-point percentage went from 21 to 32%. And uh, if you're looking at cleaning the glass, which I should have mentioned this at the top of the show, all these stats are either coming from NBA.com or from cleaning the glass. If you get rid of what they call heaves, which is like end of shot clock or end of quarter where you're just like, you don't really have a good look and you're just shooting the ball. Um, they actually rate Jalen as a 34% three point shooter. So hmm. uh, even more improved than, than maybe we think when you take away those kind of end of shot clock and end of quarter heaves. So uh, Jalen, I mean, all across the board improved at least a little bit, was arguably an elite level defender that last year, absolutely an elite defender this year. Um, like I feel like if the Magic were maybe a little bit better of a team, you could make an argument for one of the, you know, all defensive teams. Um, you know, a little bit better as a ball handler still needs to improve there. But offensively, just the flashes that he's shown in one year, the improvement I just I I don't think that you can understate that. I think we talked last season like if he could get from 21 to like 30% or like 27% like a 5-6% increase, that would be awesome and be really encouraging. To go 10% in one year to me I I I 
don't agree with anybody that's trying to put a, a like a ceiling on his shooting. Like, oh, he's just not going to be a shooter. I could absolutely see this kid being like a 35, 36% three-point shooter next year. And even higher than that, honestly, if he really figures it out. If you look at Jalen Suggs and kind of the way that you looked at that I looked at Cole Anthony in terms of his season and halves, if we take a look at his efficiencies, Jalen Suggs, his first 25 games of this season, um, he shoots almost four threes a game, but shoots 26.8% from three. I think a lot of that was him just building the confidence to get to where he ended up um, because his last 28 games, he shoots almost four attempts a game from three and shoots 38%. That is a 12% difference between the first 25 games and the last 28. So that's crazy. I, that is nuts. So for me, um, though, just in general, and I'll kind of get into to why, obviously, but I gave him a B. Um, I, I think that his, his shooting increase was more than impressive. I think for me, I would love to see him distribute the ball more. I, I get that the, everybody's got a role, whatever it might be. I just would, I, in terms of his vision, things like that, we have seen his vision put on display before. I want to see it consistently, and I want to see him you know, seek out setting up his guys um, in those situations. He's an incredible defender, and I think that's why I didn't give him an A, because last year, maybe if he wasn't as great of a defender last year that he was this year, uh, I would have maybe changed it to an A, just expectation-wise. I already knew right like we already knew defensively that was not where he needed work he did put in the work and, and got way better in, in his efficiencies but i want to see him distribute the ball more last year 4.4 assists uh per game and then this year 2.9 percent uh, or 2.9 assists per game obviously we look at cole anthony same type of thing last year because of you know with markel um, you know, only playing 18 games, that sort of thing. These guys had to take on more of a point guard type role in a lot of dis- different situations. But I still would like to see that number higher. Uh, I I think he was a better player, obviously, all around this year. So, and he played less minutes. So you can't ignore that either. He played about four less minutes a game. Played only 23 he played and less minutes. minutes, and his usage plummeted. Yeah, from 27 down to almost 21 percent. So. I mean, only averaging like less than two points less mm-hmm. per game with like that kind of usage change is is pretty good. So, but again, man, you talk about his minutes plummeting, his usage plummeting. We saw a ton of guys get DMPs this year that we didn't necessarily think would be getting DMPs. Even Terrence Ross, but like Trumo KK, obviously being one of them. Um, and uh, you're going to see. Mosley have to make decisions. RJ Hampton, obviously one of those two, but you're going to have to see Mosley continue to make these decisions on which guys are going to get minutes. Who's going to get the ball in their hands? Who do we have? What are our options? Like assessing everything. This is going to continue to be a trend where like we look at things at the end of the season. It's like, man, this young guy really didn't have enough minutes or didn't have the minutes that he had the year before or whatever it might be. Uh, I think Jalen will continue to fight for minutes and, and get those minutes. But uh, I think you've got to, I hope at the end of next year, we turn around and Jalen's playing 27, 28 minutes again. Because 23 and a half, I don't know. Where are you with uh, like the starting shooting guard for next year? I think it's, 
I think it's got to be Jalen. You look at, you know, you, you talk about the lineups and, and things like that when Jalen's in those. I think everything shows, like stats show, Jalen Suggs should be in the starting lineup. If he is the guy that we got the last 28 games of the year, his last 28 games, I should say, then you you, you have to put him in the starting lineup, I think. But again, we talk about Cole Anthony who receives an A from the both of us. Is it just that he excels in the six-man role like we think? Or is it that he just improved all around and he can find himself in that starting lineup? This conversation is going to get very intense the more we get on, you know, the the longer we go with these guys and, and, and seeing them play. Just for a little bit more context, I might I know I mentioned the just how good he was in the starting lineup. I don't know if I gave the exact numbers. So the lineup of Markel, Jalen, Franz, Paolo, Wendell Carter Jr., they only played 115 possessions together, uh, but their plus-minus differential was they were plus 18.5 points better than their opponents per 100 possessions, which is good for 80th, 88th percentile in the league. Uh, just for a little bit more context here, that same lineup, if you switch out Jalen for Gary, uh, was one point better per 100 possessions, but they played 1,184 uh, possessions together. So basically 10 times the sample size. So uh, to me, it'd be a little bit um, uh, irresponsible to say, oh yeah, well, th- they're just going to be so much better you know, with, with him in the lineup. I'm trying to look here. We really didn't get uh, a, a ton of looks with Cole kind of being the the, the two guard in that lineup next to, you know, Markel and Franz, Paolo and Wendell. I'm looking here on cleaning the glass. Luke, I don't know if you have another point that maybe you want to make uh, on this while I'm looking through this. Here. Yeah. Um, no, man, I, I just think that as far as, as, you know, Cole goes, I, I genuinely don't know. And maybe, you know, in the comments here, as you guys are listening to this on YouTube or watching us on YouTube, what do you guys think about about Cole Anthony in terms of do you think that he just thrives in that six man role or do you think hey let's give him a shot in that starting lineup and uh, and see what he can do I mean if he can produce at that level it's going to be hard to make an argument against him yeah I've got it here now so super small sample size only sixty four possessions uh, they were minus one uh, one point worse than their opponent per one hundred possessions with the lineup of Cole, Markel, Franz, Paolo, Wendell. So it don't draw any type of conclusion from those numbers. The sm- the sample size is just way too small to really feel strongly one way or the other. But I I would probably say that I would be leaning towards Jalen in the starting lineup. I think he just fits in better with that lineup and, and Cole has just had so much success in that six-man role maybe at least start the season with, with Jalen at the the two. And if it's not working, then I don't have any problem with you sliding Cole in there, but I would probably lean that way as well. Yeah. I want to add one last thing and it's just kind of a funny, it's funny to me because it caught me off guard, but NBA university actually posted some stats via cleaning the glass who were also uh, obviously Jonathan's using for the research on all of this with, uh, with everything to do with net rating. But uh, basically he posted something today about the most magic, you know, played magic lineups this season um, with their net rating and how many non garbage time possessions they played together. 
and the best on this list was uh looks like it was Cole, Jalen, Franz, Bull, Bull, and Mo Wagner plus nine point four, which is hilarious. And they played three hundred and one possessions together, which is the third most that this lineup played. So they it worked for whatever reason, one reason or another, but Cole was a part of that. So that's kind of like the most successful that Cole was was in that lineup with Jalen Franz, Bull, and Mo. Yeah, I see that here. Yeah, that's on the. I'm seeing that now on cleaning the glass. It's. I mean, Franz. To me, Franz is really like any lineup that he was in was great because I think he was a like the Magic were nine point nine points better per one hundred possessions with Franz on the floor. So to me, like that is the the common denominator. Franz on the floor, Magic good. Franz off the floor, Magic bad. Mm. And it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Want to give a quick shout out to our patrons, those folks that help financially support the show. Uh, If you've been listening to the show for any amount of time or you're new to the show, to the channel, and you like what you see, like what you hear, and you want to help financially support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. We shout out our brand new patrons anytime that we have them, but we shout out our Hall of Fame and elite tier patrons on every single episode. So I'll start with Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Carson Tulo, Normal, Magic Player History, Julio, Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, The Distract, Donkey Punch Dave, It's Not OKK okay, to Say Okiki, Pierre A, Migzors, Nostalgia, and M&M's, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Eduardo Sanchez, Drum, Danimal, Dutto 15, Bobby Skinner, Goni 93, Teddy Sylvia, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Juan Dorado, Bill Fulton, Edmund, Lagone, Jose Esquilin, Destined for Greatness, Caleb Pete, Cannibalism, Ty, Mr. TV, Joe Rothfuss, ESPN Really Sucks, Gear 95, Shred, Junior Bruce, Half Rican, Sean 177, Bulby the Dawn, Himlo Ban Himro, RM Prof 221, Ray Pastrana, Magic Kid 714, Let's Spank, Don't Tank, Soft Taco, Jesse, Johnny B, Fuego Nando, Victor Cologne, Phantom Wolf 72, Iris Magic Mike, Austin Lampy, Random Hustle, Bulbul, his first name is his last name, Only Franz, and Maria. A big shout out to all of our patrons. You can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. Luke, let's go ahead and take a look at Tankathon. The coin flip between the Chicago Bulls and the Oklahoma City Thunder is over. The Chicago Bulls won that coin flip. They will have the 11th best odds in the draft. So they now have an 8.5% chance of ending up in the top four. So that gives the Magic a 91.5% chance of holding on to that pick. They have a 1.8% chance of ending up number one overall. The Magic sitting at sixth. They have a 37.2% chance of ending up in the top four. They have a 9% chance at number one overall. Let's go ahead and sim the lottery here. And the Magic with the number one pick in the draft, baby. Perfect. And they keep the Chicago Bulls pick. That is about as good as it can go. And the more that I run this, Luke, the better that I feel because it's happening like with somewhat regularity. I know it's a, essentially a one in 10 chance. That's really not that bad. Not that bad. Not that bad at all. And I think, you know, obviously, since the last time that we recorded, Chicago just locked into that 11 spot. They got a, what, you said, eight eight and a half percent chance getting into the top four. Need them to stay out of that. We need that eight and a half percent to stay away. We need the Magic 9% to take over, catapult us into that number one spot. And at that rate, the Bulls can jump into the top four for all I care. Uh, doesn't matter at that point. 
when we're at the draft lottery watch party, which again is coming up on May 16th at 7 o'clock, clear your, your calendars. When we're there and the Bulls are there at 11, right? Everyone knows that pick will go to the Magic. And then if we're not there at 6, it's going to get electric. It's going to get yeah, pretty and, crazy pretty quickly. And and maybe um, we should clarify for, if nobody else, the, the Bulls... Uh, the Bulls analysts, um, when they hold up oh the gosh. Bulls logo at number eleven, that means it's the Magic's pick, not the Bulls' pick. You goobers. So that's for those you know, of you who are not familiar with that reference. Two draft lotteries ago, the the Bulls like broadcast team was doing like an in studio kind of watch party, and when the Bulls were there at eight, they thought it meant that they kept their pick. Idiots. But it was. <laughs> top four protected and it conveyed to the magic so they were completely embarrassed on their uh, live <laughs> broadcast which was fantastic but if you didn't get it that's that was the joke that luke made very funny hmm. all right luke i think that's gonna do it for us what do you say we wrap it up yeah all right folks for luke sylvia this has been jonathan osborne you have been listening slash watching the six man show we will catch you guys next time see ya thanks for listening to the sixth man show be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Six Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.